Hello and welcome to How to Fail Successfully. This is episode 17 and I am your host today, Courtney Carrier. That's my wife. (laughs) Thanks for joining today. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited because today's episode, I have my wife with me. Yay! I thought this would be fun because this is the Valentine's Day episode. This is the love episode. So why not bring the love of my life? My oh. wife. Yeah, okay. He's stop. too sweet. Well, today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. I sit down with three different couples at three different stages of their lives. So we have a couple that's been married for 46 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. So I'm sure they can share some wisdom with all of us. And I'm excited about that. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Then the second couple we sit down with, they've been married for three months. Oh. Can we learn anything from them? I don't know. I think we can. I think we do, yes. They're old souls. They're old souls, yeah. It's great to listen to them talk. And then the last couple have been married for seven long years. That's good. Do you know why they're long years? Why are they long? Because they have two little children. (laughs) And in this episode, it's you get to get into the trenches with them. The struggle is real. Yes, yes. So I'm so excited to share that with you. Let's get started with our first couple. This is Tim and Betsy. Tim and Betsy. Enjoy. First question I want to ask you guys is, how did the two of you meet? We actually met in our college group at our church. One of my friends uh, was going to a Baptist church, and I was going to a Catholic church, and he told me that the girls at the Baptist church were cuter than the girls at the uh, Catholic church. (laughs) So I decided, well, that's okay. That's for me. So that's why I went. And we just got to meet each other in a large group of uh, young people in college, a lot of mutual friends in the group. So we got to see each other in a broad context and just uh, more time we spent, uh, the more we just enjoyed being with each other. Betsy, what about Tim were you most attracted to at that moment? Well, she was, she was a lot of fun. Tim thinks outside the box. I'm a rule follower and he is like, what rules? You know, I don't need any rules. And I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of different. Um, he was inquisitive. Uh, he was smart. He was studying to be an electrical engineer. And yet he had this soft side that he wrote poetry to me. He quoted Shakespearean sonnets. Wow. And so it was like, wow, you know, he's got this romantic side too. And then um, he also, he pursued me and let me know that he was interested in me. And uh, that was kind of nice because in our college group, I, in some ways, I was kind of like the untouchable woman. You know, I was kind of on a pedestal. And I think some guys were kind of afraid of me. (laughs) And so, but Tim just kind of barged right in and and let me know that he was interested and wanted to get to know me. And uh, that was really refreshing. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all about him. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us about your first date? Okay, I'd love to tell you about that. So up until this point, we had been good friends in this big group. And we were were both in college at that point. And it was dead week, the week before finals. And we were both so tired of studying. So Tim called and said, hey, would you like to go for a drive with me uh, over to just take a drive through the mountains to the coast? We were in California. Um, I was at Stanford. He was at San Jose State. So he came pick, and picked me up. Uh, well, this is kind of interesting. We're going to do something just the two of us. So we're driving along. We go through the mountains over to the Pacific Ocean uh, north of Santa Cruz. And we're driving down Highway 1. And he says, 
I just feel so comfortable with you. You know, I just, I just feel like we're an old married couple and we're just driving along, just enjoying ourselves and, and not bothered by the silence, but just able to talk about anything we want to talk about. Yes. I don't believe I ever said that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Chen says the first thing that comes to his mind, there's not a lot of filters. So, so this kind of surprised me and I kind of moved a little closer to my side of the car, you know, but I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. And um, we stopped at, at Pigeon Point Lighthouse, and it was about nine o'clock at night, really dark. The light was going on the lighthouse, and he said, "Hey, let's stop here and see if we can, you know, go in and see anything about the lighthouse." Well, of course, it was closed. So we're going back to the car, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to drive." And he had this really sweet '65 uh, Mustang, and um, so I jumped in the driver's seat, and he says, "Do you know how to drive a stick shift?" I said, "Of course, I do." And so I jumped into the car, I turned the key, put it in gear. I locked the door so he couldn't get in <laughs> so that I was sure I got to drive. And I hear this ominous clunk oh, no. and the car doesn't start. So I unlocked the door and I said, I think I broke your car. <laughs> no, it started, but it wouldn't go because the clutch was broken. Oh, no. At this point. And I felt that I had broken his prized clutch on his car. And the thing that impressed me about that is he just kind of laughed and said, well, we got to figure out what to do. He wasn't mad at me. He didn't get upset with me. And I thought, hey, this is a big plus for him. And uh, so we went and we took refuge in the lighthouse uh, while we were waiting for the tow truck, which was like 30 miles away. Mm. And I'll let Tim... Tim can tell the story of that. Okay. If you've never been in a lighthouse when the horn goes off, it's quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, Did it so scare it, you? It, is that what you're saying? No, it was just amazingly loud and vibrating. And uh -huh. It was, it was, we were just laughing and we could hardly hear each other. And, it, you know, for the 10 seconds that it went off, it was just a really funny time. Yeah, so it, it was just, it was, that was really our first date. And I think that's the first time he kissed me when he took me back to the dorm. And um, I just thought, okay, this, this has taken an interesting turn and I'd like to get to, to know this guy more. How long have you guys been married now up to this point? 46 years. Wow, 46 years. Yep. Well, you know, there's statistics out there that say that most marriages end in divorce or 50% of marriages. I don't know if I actually believe that 50 to 51% actually do, but anyways, how did you guys manage to stay together for 46 years? I mean, that's a long time. How, how were you able to kind of work through some of those initial early years? I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I wrote, we, we actually um, thought about these questions and I wrote down two words, respect, or control and it seems to me that a lot of people think that they need to control themselves and they need to control the other person and uh, because it's threatening to to lose control the opposite of that is to respect the other person and and i i actually think that um the main reason why couples struggle is because marriage takes sacrifice and a willingness to serve and to care for the other person. And most of our culture is about serving ourselves. So this mutual independence and what's in it for me is not how we learn to be interdependent, which is a genuine um, 
you know, love of understanding for what the other person says and what they are and, and just understanding what love is. I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about how to build good relationships and what love really means and, um, you know, what that sacrifice is going to take when you haven't really done much of it in your life before that. And, you know, Matt, I, I would add that um, I know this was true of us, particularly true of myself. I'll just speak for myself here. When we were newly married, I think I had unrealistic expectations about what marriage would be. Um, I had unrealistic expectations for myself. I thought that because I'd read some books on marriage and how to be a good wife, that I was just going to just strut right into that role with no trouble. Um, and you don't know what your assumptions are because you never articulated them or your expectations. You just have this kind of, each of you have this kind of unwritten, unspoken idea of this is how families work. This is how, this is what husbands and wives should be. You do think a little selfishly about, uh, you know, is this going to meet my needs? And, but you don't really know this person really well. You probably know them better than you've known anybody else, but you still have a lot to learn about them. And so I think there is a lot of conflict early in marriage and, it, and throughout marriage as each of you change, as you have to learn to verbalize these expectations and, and work through what they are, whether it be uh, personal expectations, career, money, sex, in-laws, who does the laundry, who balances the checkbook, uh, in, any of those kind of things. So that, I think that's uh, kind of a stumbling block for a lot of couples. In your marriage, I'm assuming that you've never had one disagreement. Is that correct? <laughs> that's correct. Good. Uh, but let's just no, pretend. Yeah, I absolutely no. disagree with that. Okay, so hypothetically <laughs> speaking, though, let's pretend like you did have a disagreement. How has that disagreement changed from when you were first married to when to to now after 46 years? How do you guys deal with disagreements now? Okay, well, I'm going to ask Tim to give you a, a, a recent disagreement like two days ago. And we probably disagree multiple times a day. So, <laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> so um, just about vacation plans. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, one of the things that we've learned is that we are two completely different people. Um, I am an extrovert. I think out loud. I process out loud. Betsy's an introvert. She processes everything internally and comes to a conclusion because it's well thought out and complete. So we had a disagreement. Betsy was looking at the possibility of taking a, a Viking cruise. And so she had spent quite a bit of time researching this and looking at the uh, possibilities and had a magazine and had it thumbnailed and picked the winds that she wanted and was ready to go. And she said, I think we should go on a Viking cruise. And I said, what? And no. And she goes, well, today's the last day to sign up for it. And I said, I don't care. I don't know. I, I can't do that. I need time. I, I need to process it. I don't know anything about it. And so she was a little disappointed, but she actually was very gracious and realized, oops, I just, you know, did my introvert thing. And, um, you know, that was hard because I really felt pressured because, you know, like half price type thing. And, you know, but I said, I, I just can't do this. I have a lot of questions. I don't know what's going to happen. How's it going to work? What are we, you know, where are we going to go? What are we, you know, how's it, you know, all the details that she had already processed. 
So that was a perfect illustration of the source of our disagreements was a real fundamental different way of looking at uh, life and dealing with the information around us, being extrovert and introvert uh, on, the, on a you know, wide range difference. So that was an example that we really had to work through. So Betsy found a, a, sh a conference up uh, in Denver, and we drove up, and it was a conference on, you know, vacations. And it talked all about, you know, what are the different kind of vacations, and Viking was, cruise was there. And so we had a chance to just ask a lot of questions. So that's, that was kind of how we began to resolve that. We still haven't, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the time after disagreements, uh, frustration has decreased the longer you've been married? Like as a young couple, you might hold on to a grudge longer, but after so many years, you might you might have learned how to talk through them quicker. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so, Matt, because um, we've built a history together now and we've developed some trust and confidence in each other. So when Tim was pushing back on this, you know, initially I was getting frustrated and saying, but listen, here's the answers to your question. Look, it's right here and here and here, but it wasn't the answers to all of his questions. And I realized that I didn't know the answers to those questions either. And I thought, okay, you know, I could push through on this and we could get mad at each other. and We could probably just be really touchy and uncomfortable for the next couple of days. But you know what? Um, I, we can't make a big decision like, you know, it's, it's a fairly uh, big investment of money to go on something like this. It's a European river cruise and everything. And I thought I really want both of us to be on the same page. So what I've learned over time is just to say, hey, I'm going to step back. I'm going to give a little space here. I'm going to respect the fact that Tim has questions that he needs to have answered. And I could probably learn a little bit myself, too. And so just to step back, to give some space and say, let's take a little bit more time, it takes a lot of the pressure off of the decision. And then the funny thing was, I, turn, I the next day on Facebook, I see, oh, what do you know? Although they said the half price deal was over January 31st, oh. what do you know? They have another special in Extended. February. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we, it, we didn't lose anything by Good. taking time. And, you know, this, this is interesting. Um, when I thought about this the, the disagreements, my first comment was, this is tough. Um, it takes a real commitment to be open to talking through and listening to the other person. When you get defensive, when your feelings are hurt, or you think the other person's not hearing you or listening, it's really easy to just just shut down or just get hurt or, or angry. And, you know, you're assuming the other person's point of view, but you're also assuming the worst motives. <laughs> we we used to laugh that we would say, well, your motive is this and this and this. And we'd say, no, that's not it. And we'd say, isn't it funny that we assume the worst motives? And but the key there was learning to accept the other person as they are, not as we want them to be. And um, that that really takes practice because not only do you not know the other person, you don't necessarily even know yourself. So I think that whole idea of recognizing that the feelings and the hurt is just a clue that says you've got to talk more. <laughs> Another thing that I, I think that we have learned is in our, our attitude towards each other, we have to always remember that we're on the same team, that Tim is not my enemy. We're not in some kind of competition here to see who wins. 
We want to win as a couple. We want both of us to be happy with the solution. And our relationship is more important than any issue that we're discussing. So being on the same team, having that attitude, um, I think is, is really important because it keeps you from attacking the other person or their motives, uh, you know, like Tim said, uh, being more willing to listen. So uh, it, it's kind of that mindset that we try to start out with that makes a difference for us. That's awesome. Great wisdom. I got a couple more questions for you. Last last couple questions. What does your spouse do that wows you? After 46 years, how does your spouse still wow you? Well, you know, over these 46 years, it wasn't this way in the beginning of our marriage. And Tim t- and I talked about this yesterday, so I'm not telling tales on him or anything. At the beginning of our marriage, he did not have the attitude of serving me the way he does now. And it just completely amazes me the way he always is there to help me. He sets up the coffee every night so that in the morning, all I have to do is go in and push the button to get my coffee. (laughs) He always carries in the groceries. He turns on the space heater in the bedroom to get it warm in there for me if it's a cold evening. He uh, does the dishes every night. He fills my gas tank and does all my car maintenance and car washes. And I never even have to look at anything. He has, he has a honeydew list. And all I do is put things on the list that I would like to have done. And I never have to nag him. He just jumps in there and he does them gladly. But most of all, he's my biggest fan. He's always encouraging me, always seeing things in me that I don't see in myself. And letting me talk through things with him. And it's just like, man, did I hit the jackpot with this guy. You know, I just think most women, women would love to have a guy that expresses his love in such tangible ways. It, 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 I, it, I know that I do. And so that, that continues to wow me every day. Wow. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote down, mostly I appreciate her vulnerability to trust me. Accept me as my aunt, accept me as I am, and share her fears and concerns with me, and keep a tender heart, tender heart toward me when I'm not so nice. Um, it's that tender heart and that that willingness to just be vulnerable and to not just step back and say, "Well, I'm I'm just tough and I can handle this on my own, and I don't need you." And um, you know, she builds me up. It motivates me to change. Also, she lets me lead. Um, you know, that's a, I, I know that's not a popular concept, but, um, I, I want to be a loving leader, but it's hard to lead people who won't follow. And by letting me lead, she shows confidence in me and it really, really is important. And it means an awful lot to me. And I would say that by we, I had different concepts when I first got married about what it means to have a husband who leads. I think I had some pretty, um, I don't know, inflexible ideas about what that would look like, such as that Tim would make all the decisions. Idealistic. I was idealistic. Um, what that looks like for us now is we have very robust discussions. I do not hold back in telling Tim what I think or what I feel. Um, we, 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 you know, we really dig into things that we're making a decision about. Um, and sometimes one of the questions we ask ourselves is, well, who is this really the most important to? And so 
if it's something about, say, how I'm going to uh, decorate the yard or the house, maybe a family event that I'm planning or something like that, he knows that that's really, really important to me. And it's like, so why should I argue about that? You know, and he will let me, he says, yeah, go ahead and do it however you want. And so I do, I take the lead on those things because that's who it's important to. On other things, it's much more important to him if we're buying a car, some of the mechanical and repair records. I, w- I want the comfort. I want the heated seat. I want the good air conditioning. <laughs> I want the safety features, you know, but I'm not going to argue with him over the, the make or model of the car we get because I know he's done a lot of research on that. So we've learned to lean on each other's strengths, learn when to give in to one another um, and, and make those decisions together with that in mind. But I will say that there are times when I just say, no, this is, this is what we need to do. And Betsy will say, okay. Mm-hmm. And that really means a lot uh, to a, a guy when he's got a wife that's saying, Hey, I'm behind you, you know, let's do this. Um, so that, that's important to me. Well, let's wrap it up with this last question. I would love for our listeners to have uh, a resource that they can kind of turn to, uh, something that's helped you a lot in your marriage. Uh, it can be a, a book or something you saw, a, a movie you watched, or, or a conference you attended to. Kind of just talk us through what's a good resource that you have used in your marriage? Okay, I'll start. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's the Bible. There were times when I was really, really struggling in my marriage, and um, the time that I spent in, in the Scripture just really trying to understand how my relationship with God touched my relationship with Betsy, it helped me, um, especially dealing with anger. I had some real anger issues, and I really had to work that and the, the, the scripture really helped me to understand uh, that and then the second book that I, I had is called the uh, healthy traits of a healthy marriage um, because I think there are common traits of healthy marriages um, things about the deal with maturity and deal with responsibility and deal with you know uh, handling uh, life responsibly and um, good communication patterns and it wasn't necessarily a, a christian book but it was very interesting for me to read what it means to have a healthy marriage and then my last book was one that's called becoming one that talked about how you take your two lives as a christian and each of you are trusting um god so that when you have conflicts it's really kind of between you and God as well. <laughs> so he helps you to resolve that. So Becoming One was one of my favorite books. Actually, the thing that impacted me uh, the most was not necessarily a book, was a marriage conference uh, that's sponsored by Family Life called A Weekend to Remember. Mm-hmm. And we went to several of those. And we enjoyed that so much because it was a romantic getaway. This is when we had young kids, which is a much more stressful time in your marriage probably than almost any other. And it was just great to hear from other couples the struggles that they were facing and things that they had tried. We laughed, we cried. It was just, it was a great time. So that conference was really uh, important to me. I would say in terms of a takeaway for something that I would recommend for couples of any age it's an easy start because sometimes you don't have time to read a whole book. You don't have time for a weekend getaway. You don't have the money to get, have the weekend getaway. 
Focus on the Family has a marriage assessment that you can do online. You each do it separately. Tim and I just did it this morning just for fun to look at it. And it looks at 12 traits of a healthy marriage. It's about 10 minutes. You each do it. You each get your report back. And then you can sit and look at it and say, what are the strengths that we have going for us? What are the things that we can build on? And then what are some of the areas of growth uh, for us that we can concentrate on? We didn't agree on what our areas of growth were. It was kind of interesting. But for each of those, then they give you additional resources that you can, uh, either a book or an online article that you can look at to say, okay, we need to work here. Here's the place to start. Let's read this and talk about it. So I think that's a a great resource for a couple at any stage of their marriage. Mm. That's great. Thank you so much for those resources. I will put links on the website at howtofailsuccessfully.com. Tim and Betsy, I appreciate you taking the time to help share the wisdom that you've gained throughout the 46 years of marriage without any disagreements whatsoever. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) Thanks. You just keep thinking that, Matt. (laughs) And uh, best wishes to you and Courtney, too, on your marriage. Thank you. I love Tim and Betsy. I love them, too. (laughs) They're just such a sweet couple. And you can just tell that they they have such a respect and a love yeah. for each other that that's something that they obviously have built over the last 46 years through you know trial and error and conflict and resolution. Absolutely. Um, I think that Tim made a really good point about being on the same team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you choose to be in a marriage with someone, it's not you're in it for yourself you have to work with that other person because you're hopefully i would think you're working towards the same goals absolutely yeah that's great it's a great takeaway you ready for the second one yes okay so this couple has been married for a long three months (laughs) so this is aaron and carter enjoy thank you for joining thanks thanks for having us you are my newlywed couple. How long have you guys been married? Uh, three months. There we go. Three months. Three months about. Yes. And it's been amazing three months? Yeah, the best. Carter? A dream. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that felt a little forced. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> I practiced that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get started. How did the two of you meet? <laughs> we met the first week of college, um, before classes even started, in a dark parking lot. So, like, all great love stories. Um, <laughs> or horror films. Or yeah. horror film. Yeah. You you okay. <laughs> decide. Um, I was leaving a friend's dorm room, and Carter was in the parking lot walking into his dorm. This huge group of guys, and it was just me. So, as you can imagine, thoughts run through my head, but they all start talking to me, and one of the guys asked for my number. Since I didn't have very many friends, I gave him my number, the guy who asked my number, though, was not Carter. And <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> and another guy in the group got my number, uh, and that was Carter's roommate. Okay. Yeah, his roommate invited me over um, on, I guess, a hangout kind of date. He played me guitar. It's really, really sweet. <laughs> but Carter was sitting in the room the entire time. And the guy playing the guitar asked me what my favorite song was. And so I told him, and he was like, I'm going to go learn it right now. What song was that? Um, I don't even at, remember. At the time, I'm sure it was something different than it is now. Was it like a John Mayer song? Yes, I think <laughs> so. 
So he goes like immediately to go learn this song at his desk. And Carter's just sitting there in the dorm room on the futon. And so I struck up a conversation. So we just started talking and it was just so much better than his roommate. Yeah. But we got married last October and my roommate at the time was one of my groomsmen's. Wow. Uh, No love lost there. Yeah, we didn't hurt his feelings too bad. When you first saw each other or when you first met, what was it about the other person that you were most attracted to? I'll go first on this one. Okay. So the the first thing I noticed about Erin was her smile. And then everything else just kind of came together. I feel like every time we got together, I I noticed something new about her. But for the first thing that I noticed about Erin was her smile. That's And it's it's that same smile that I see today that I'm seeing right now. It's the same one. I thought you were going to say the more embarrassing thing that you remember about our first time hanging out. Are you talking about your style at the time? Yeah. (laughs) Erin was really into Bob Marley t-shirts. Which, if you know me, does not add up. Like, it was, it's very surprising that I went through a phase. Why was Bob Marley a thing? Well, I went to Jamaica. Of course. So, (laughs) that's all they sell there. (laughs) That's all they sell there. So, I had this... When we met, I had never done laundry before. I mean, it was like the first two weeks of college. I've never done laundry. So I was like digging T-shirts out of the bottom of the drawer. I had on this huge Bob Marley T-shirt. It was so bad. Probably a triple XL. Probably. And she still looked great. So, I mean. Which is why you focused on her smile. The smile. (laughs) Yes. Going back to the smile, right? (laughs) What was your first date? Oh, it was a good one. Uh, it was uh, five stars. I mean, you know, I, I didn't I didn't spare any expense. No, we I went... took her to the nicest place mm-hmm. in Starkville, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Chili's. Mm. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Laying and, the foundation yep. for success. Mm-hmm. And we fell in love over a molten chocolate ch- a cake. Yeah, and, that lava cake. Yeah, that lava Sold cake. Sold the deal. <laughs> I mean, we laughed, but we still, uh, it's like the moment I knew I love Carter. On the first day. Okay, so you guys have been married for three months. Mm-hmm. Three blissful months. Bliss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long have you been dating? So we got married on our seven-year dating anniversary. Seven years. So seven years of dating. <laughs> wow. So we okay. really know each other. Why did Why did you wait so long until you got married? It was the, It was the timing mm-hmm. of everything. I, I think I think we knew that we were meant to be together and we were going to get married pretty early on. In our dating, uh, I would say, I like the first year, huh? I knew, I knew the first date. So uh, first date, you know, that's just that, cake, just that, that chili that's right there. Cake yeah. Has some some powers for sure, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's to say, we, we knew really early on, but mm-hmm. just the timing with us being in school, and then um, Aaron graduated before I did, and then I went back to nursing school, mm-hmm. and we, we did long distance for a year and a half there. Mm-hmm. And we actually got engaged while I was still in nursing school. Yeah. Uh, so the timing of it is, I guess, what led us to date for seven years, because that is a long time. It's a really long time. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. No, no more dating. <laughs> well, so many marriages end in divorce. I mean, there's stats that say 49%, 50%, 51%, whatever. How, what are you guys going to, how are you guys going to do it differently that you're the ones that make it to the end? 
I think for me, it's just like staying plugged in with each other. I mean, I think that's easy now because it's just the two of us. Like, who else am I going to hang out with? But as I can imagine, when you start having kids and just life gets in the way, it you just have to be super intentional about getting to know each other. I mean, right now we know each other pretty well, but you change throughout life. And I think that's something that I want to keep, like, keep dating each other, as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah, I, I really think it's a it's a selfless thing to be married. Um, and all too often people are just too selfish mm-hmm. uh, and communication is so big. So it's just a factor, both of those factors coming together with, you know, people thinking about themselves. And then if they're not even communicating that, then mm-hmm. it's just kind of a recipe for disaster. Now, I'm sure you never fight. No, never. I haven't angels. had one yet. No. <clears throat> If you were to have a disagreement, how would you work through that? Is this the scenario that we should work through or like how I <laughs> how actually do you, how deal, you with? deal with it? Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm necessarily the best at this, but normally when we get in a tiff, I'll call it a tiff because I don't know if we've ever really had that you're, big fight. You're Baptist. You don't fight. <laughs> no, we are. <laughs> but usually it's. On my end, I'm emotional, and I am and I really respond to my emotions a lot, and Sweet Carter is so steady in the best way possible. So it's usually me getting upset, and then we take a breather because we both just need to calm down, and then we'll end up apologizing to each other. It's never really been a big production. How do you feel like you should respond to a disagreement? I, th- I think just responding in the first place, you know, going back to communication. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, if you know that there's some kind of disagreement, no matter how small or big, I think I think it works just saying like, hey, we need to sit down and talk about this. Yeah. And then once you understand the, the other side to the argument and remove yourself from that, that's, that's when you kind of get to the root, root of the problem. So yeah. a lot of the times it's not even about... The thing you're fighting about. It's about something completely different. Yeah. And we've, I mean, been through so many years now of TIFFs that we've, I think we've gotten better at handling them and keeping them small and let, instead of letting them become this like huge road, like just bump in the road for us. How has your relationship evolved over the last seven years? Oh my gosh. Where to start? (laughs) I, I think, I think. Just just by us evolving in our personal lives, you know, mm-hmm. graduating college, uh, for me, graduating college twice, mm-hmm. um, we've now been kind of a part of three different cities. It's almost like it's been this forced evolution where, you know, it was keep up or, or get left behind. Change or die. Yeah. So I, I think that it was just us growing together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and early on, it's like we were really committed to each other. Like we we both take relationships very seriously. We were each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend. So we weren't, you know, this wasn't just like a test thing. Like I, we both had serious feelings really early on. So we just committed to each other. And like just through this whole time, it seems like communication and like just verbal communication has been just the foundation of everything because with a lot of couples, I think they start out more with the physical attraction side. And then when you go long distance for 
almost two years like we did, you won't survive. I mean, you know, we really, it was constant, intentional, like talking on the phone, making time for each other. And we've really like grown up together since we were 18. I mean, we were wild and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) The two of you did marriage counseling, Mm -hmm. but was there something that over the last three months you kind of wish you had known before you got married? Or do you feel like you were totally prepared to be married? You know, I'll give you an answer, and it's going to be the opposite end, where people say, you know, marriage, it's, it's, it's hard, especially the first year of marriage, it's really hard. But I'll say it, it almost got easier after getting married because all the pressure that we had before marriage, like like when we hung out, it, like we had to be like intentional about, you know, doing something and interacting. But, you know, after marriage, it just takes all that pressure away of, of number one, not having to, uh, to plan a, a wedding mm-hmm. and then <laughs> just being with each other and not, you know, actively having to, to hang out, you know, we can each, you know, I I could be, um, doing the laundry while Aaron's, you know, I don't know, hanging out, watching TV or something. And you're still together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're both, I mean, we're each other's best friend, which is super dorky to say out loud, but it's true. And we like hanging out with each other. So I'm sure we'll well, come I hope to, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like we'll probably hit something sometime this year because it's the first year of marriage that we're going to wish we were more prepared for. But right now, it's just pretty great. It's really easy. What about your spouse? What's that one thing about your spouse that wows you? Hmm. I'll, I'll go because I, I know since being married, I, I you know, I've always known this, but since being married, I really see how selfless Aaron is and I know I've thrown that word out a few times but uh, it's pretty amazing what she does not only for me but what she does in her work life her family her friends everyone it's like she it's like she doesn't even think about herself and it's it's pretty amazing Hmm. pretty amazing I would say Carter is so I mean there's there's so many things I could say but he is so good about telling me how much he loves me and you know, we have opposite ends of the five love languages, like opposites. And even when we're in a tiff, if I'm aggravated or we're in a great mood and I leave for work, he always tells me how much he loves me. And sometimes it's so much more difficult for me to respond because that is not my love language, but I'm working on it. <laughs> what is your love language? I am PTQT, uh, physical touch and quality time. Words of affirmation mm-hmm. and acts of service. But me. gifts are rising the ranks pretty I, I, I think, Yeah, I think we both have a little bit of the gifts in there. We like gifts, too. Yeah, yeah. everybody likes gifts. Yeah. Everybody yeah. likes gifts. Well, let's wrap up the conversation here. You've obviously both worked hard on your marriage. You went through marriage counseling. But what were kind of some books that you read along the way that sort of helped prepare you for marriage? Erin uh, bought me one. She bought me, what was that? Was it like a Valentine's Day gift a few years ago? Maybe. And she asked me to read this book. It's called Four Men Only. Mm -hmm. And they actually have a book as well called Four Women Only. Yes. And it's to kind of give insight on, you know, the the other gender, the other person in your relationship. And, you know, I flipped through a few pages and and Erin kind of got on to me. And And she was like, will you actually read this? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. 
And I actually, I read it and I picked up a lot of things from that book. Yeah. A lot of things. Like what? First off, the love languages, which we just touched on. Mm-hmm. And then the one thing that, that Aaron and I still talk about to this day is how we receive love. Where women want to be loved, whereas men want kind of more of respect. Mm-hmm. And we have to be intentional about going out of our way to show Aaron, in my case, how much I love her. Yeah. Like the book says that men don't need love. They can survive without love, but they have to have respect. Whereas women are just the total opposite. Like I need love. I need to feel loved or I just feel lost. So, I mean, we still talk about that. And is that your book as well? Yeah, and I would say uh, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. And I know that book gets talked about a lot, and there's firm believers, and there's people that don't love it as much. But for our case, it it really puts, you know, it helps us verbalize. So if I'm feeling, I guess you could say, like, neglected is a strong word. But if I'm not feeling as connected to Carter, those are, you know, physical touch and quality time are two ways he can immediately just like go towards those routes and then it just it connects us more and same words for affirmation for him how do you how do the two of you support each other (laughs) that's a hard question i mean in everything you do yeah i mean we want the best for each other support you all the time (laughs) i'll say i'll say for aaron um when I, when I hear the word support, I think of someone going through a hard time where they would need support. You know, it's mm-hmm. easily be su- supported if, if, you know, it's, it's an easy time, right? Yeah. But if they're going through a hard time, support for me, I'm just letting Erin know that I'm there for her. Mm-hmm. Making myself available, whether, it, you know, she needs just me to, to be in the room, just my presence, or, you know, Hey, maybe she needs me to do a few errands for her mm-hmm. or something as simple as just, you know, cleaning up around the place, yeah. you know, just however I feel she, she needs to be supported. Yeah. Just be there for her. And I think listening, Carter does mm-hmm. this really well. I mean, we both work in completely different environments and completely different jobs. So Carter's great about just listening to me. If I had a stressful day at work, he may not understand a single thing I am saying. But he listens and he tries to ask questions and engage and help me process my day. And that's that's really what I need a lot of. Well, I appreciate the two of you coming on this podcast today, our three-month married couple. So thank you so <laughs> much for, for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Thanks. Thanks for this is great. Aww. Aww. They're just so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> <laughs> They're great people. They are great people. And very wise for being... So young. So young. Yeah. But, and, I, and that was encouraging, though. I mean, I feel like they have a good understanding of what to expect throughout their marriage. Now, they're like they said, they're going to experience things that they're not ready for. Because, it's I mean, there's a learning curve, obviously, even if you were prepared. Correct. Well, let's move on to our last conversation. This is with Sean and Kirsten. This is my couple with two kids. They've been married for six or seven years. And I loved this conversation because we're in Sean's office. Um, Their littlest one is is running around and, and trying to behave and trying to be good. Just, you know, as a child. And so you can hear her in the background and 
it was just a lot of fun. I enjoyed what they had to say because they're in the trenches right now and just they opened up their hearts and we just had real conversations. And I just kind of want to give us a little preface. We are adults and this is an adult conversation. Uh, we talk about adult themes in here, but this is like marriage conversation. So I kind of just want to give that little bit of a warning before we get into this last conversation. But here it is. This is Sean and Kirsten. Enjoy. All right. So this is my married couple with children. This is Sean and Kirsten. Welcome. Hello. Hi. The first question... Speaking the speaking of children. What is that noise? <laughs> this is perfect. Real life, you guys. First question I have to ask you guys is how did the two of you meet? Well, it's a little serendipitous, actually. Um, I had just moved back from LA and a friend well, a friend had given Sean my phone number to get a haircut. And uh, I was I was on my way to church, a new church for the first time ever, that the same friend had been trying to get me to go to. So I'm on my way to church, trying a new church, and I get a phone call, and on the other line, I answer, hello, and on the other line, he goes, there's a guy, and he goes, hey, is this Kirsty? And I'm like, this is Kirsten? And he was like, hey, Jenna gave me your number to uh, get a haircut. And so we set up a haircut for the next day. Didn't think anything of it. Do you want to pick up from here, babe? Uh, no, you're doing great. <laughs> so we get to church. I get to church. And at the end of the service, this guy walks up to me and was like, hey, you're, you're cursy. You're cutting my hair tomorrow. So we had spoken, set up an appointment for the next day, and then wound up meeting 30 minutes yeah, later I, at church. I, I was on my way. I, I'd been going to that church for a, quite a while, and I knew all of the girls uh, <laughs> because I was in my late 20s and single, and um, I saw a bombshell blonde there. And the whole time, I was trying to figure out how I can go and talk to her and not seem creepy, and she was talking to our mutual friend, so I went over to introduce myself, and it was, oh my gosh, you're cutting my hair tomorrow. So we were on the phone setting this up, both driving to the same destination, one of which I was going to regularly, and it was her first time. So she cut my hair the next day, and I was almost unhealthfully obsessed with her. So it was love at first snip? It was. It was. First <laughs> snip, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what about each other were you attracted to the most? Um. Well, to be totally upfront, I was dating someone else at the time. So the... I'm I'm loyal and had blinders on and was not in the market. And it was long distance, so I knew it wouldn't last. <laughs> so we were in two different mindsets. I'm over here in a committed relationship, and he's over there like, yeah, 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 we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but I will have to say, once once that relationship ended and my, my you know, I was opened up to date again, uh, it was absolutely his sense of humor, 100%. Is Sean funny? He is the funniest. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but he's not hes not a monkey, so he won't perform on the spot. That's it's fine. in his own time. In my own time, guys. We can find him on, <laughs> on Facebook. It's okay. <laughs> and what about you, Sean? Uh, you know, I've the initially it was Kirsten is beautiful. Uh, she's the prettiest girl that I know. So 
Uh, for me, it was uh, a looks attraction. And then as I got to know her, her spontaneity, her massive heart, her creativity, um, her striving for self-improvement, helping others. Uh, she just had so many qualities that unraveled very quickly that it was, it was a no-brainer for me that um, she was to be my bride. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about your first date. It was such a gradual process because we had a unique we had a unique process. Um, I was dating someone for so long before we met that I I took a lot of time to be ready to go all in and and say yes I'm ready to do this. Um, so we 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 took it really slow. We we were a unique relationship. Yeah, they broke they broke up and I didn't want to be a rebound. So I gave her space. Um, and kind of took the lead on that. And so we didn't really have like a formal first date. We spent a lot of time together. And then the 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 DTR that we all are familiar with, the define the relationship conversation came up. And it was her telling me, so people think that we're dating. Because we were spending so much time together, really as friends, like getting to know each other as friends first, so, which I love. It, it was, yeah, that was the, the beautiful part, but um, it was one of those things of like, well, we just shared feelings, but we can still be friends, and I was like, no, that's really not possible. Uh, if you need space to kind of put your heart in a different spot, then I'll give you that, and here's what you can expect from me. So so he was basically like, well, I'm not going to text you, I'm not going to IM you, I'm not going to email you, or we're going to like talk once a week and catch up and continue con you know yeah, talking we can be cool but just know that we're gonna throttle this thing if you need space and that's fine but we there's no deception in us trying to just quote be friends when you start communicating feelings you, you're no longer just friends so we never really had like our, our courtship was really it was about timing and preparation and intentionality in a romantic way where she let me be a dude and pursue her um show her what uh being a man and being a leader was about um, and kind of taking the lead in that. And that worked great because I'd never really been pursued properly in a healthy way. So, And by pursued, I just mean there's clarity in my intentions and I'm being trustworthy with her emotions and being protective on how we, I don't know, did mm -hmm. our thing. So Awesome. Does that make sense? Is <laughs> yes. that a lot? I love it. No, it's great. <laughs> Let's shift to marriage. How long have you guys been married? Almost seven years. In yeah. September. Yeah. Seven years. Seven years. And you have how Two many children? children? Two children. How yeah. old are they? Three and a half and nine months. Wow. So we're, yeah. Two little ladies. Yeah. And you left them both at home, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in the car. They're fine. <laughs> you crack the window. Um, okay. Most uh, There's a stat that, that most... You know, I'd say about 51 to 50% of marriages end in divorce, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's a bummer. When it comes to marriages, though, why do you think so many couples struggle to remain married? I, I believe I know. Like, people should just come to me and start asking me why. Well, that's She's what we're got here. the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's what why? We're no, but in our experience, and we've had a lot of, a lot of close, close friends, um, you know, we've seen a lot of divorce, even just in our friend groups. And it seems like the common denominator on our in our experience is that one of the partners fails to show up to be ready to, to fight when things get tough. Um, I think a, a marriage can survive as long as both partners are 
showing up every day and saying, what can we do either personally, like in personal development or to serve the other better, if both of them are showing up, the marriage can't fail. And I think it fails when one of the partners is lack, lacks to do that and isn't willing to, to do that. Yeah, I would say so. I've watched uh, 15 of my friends now get married and divorce. Many of them, I was in their weddings. They were in my weddings. And it really sucks. And whether it's you know infidelity from their other partner or just a lack of connection or something like that, I think Kirsten, to, to kind of uh, what's the word? Uh, expand on that. It seems to me that the one common denominator, if I were to look at what makes marriages work, two of them. One is they're friends and they actually enjoy spending time together. And two, uh, both parties are willing to accept responsibility. So every single, I mean, I'm a novice when it comes to divorce and relationships, but every single relationship I've seen that hasn't worked, it's been one person is pointing the finger at somebody else and not looking at how they contributed to the demise or yeah for sure so and that was actually a big equal. quality that i knew about kirsten like we both weren't the most mature individuals but i feel like i have a good third party perspective on myself and i'm willing to to take responsibility and she was too and so like whenever we hit challenges we both come to the table open-handed to where um I mean, sometimes we get defensive, but usually it's what's what am I contributing to this challenge and what haven't I been doing to help see fruit or romance or well, let's, sex? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. When you guys do have a disagreement, what's the process to work through that? Um, we're in one right now. I mean, we we don't have a ton of disagreements like. I'd say early on in marriage, our biggest qualms were just some major personality and needs differences. Like I, I'm a massive extrovert and I need time with friends. And and I'm a textbook introvert. And so for Kirsten, early on, that meant that I would rather spend time with my friends than with her, um, which was really about a deeper unmet need of, well, on my, my part as a husband of like showing her the priority and filling her love tanks, her emotional checking account so that I can make withdrawals. <laughs> so when it was time for me to go and, and hang out with friends and I needed to withdraw from <laughs> her emotional checking account to, to choose time with somebody else over her, um, I had spent intentional effort, you know, uh, planning things or dinners or whatever to make her know and feel loved. Adversely, though, it took her uh, wherewithal to understand that, you know, that need and some of that response was actually coming out of an unhealthy place, too. So there was the responsibility that she took on herself of realizing, oh, you wanting to spend time with your friends has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with what you need. So that's those. Right. So what would you say those conversations were like? I mean, a big one right now is we talk about sex. Sex is probably been the biggest challenge for us in our relationship, right? Yeah. Even, yeah, it really has for one reason or another in, in, in marriage. We, but we both came from pretty sexual pasts. And so when we got married, um, navigating that, and we, we waited for marriage together. So navigating those expectations and past experiences and all of that was, was challenging. And, and then now having kids, that's a whole different dynamic and, and an affront to 
Um, I think that's what's unique about our story is we both had been sexual uh, with our relationships or whatever else in the past. And for us to be able to come together and choose and make that choice, I think was a big part of what created trust and respect for each other um, was that we had created some boundaries. And I think we thought that when we got into marriage and our honeymoon night, we would just kind of like pick up, use all that experience and all that, you know, pent up sexual charge to, and we would just be animals and it really didn't turn out like that like she got a uti on our honeymoon <laughs> and no no okay. this is great i mean sex is yeah, is important, important. and yeah. you can cut this out if you want but she ended up getting a uti on our honeymoon and we couldn't be intimate and we were i mean there were nights of screaming and crying and like frustration on on this unknown thing that we had expectations sex sex expectations there you go <laughs> You can, you can use that. Can I tell, can I tell this Sex expectations. <laughs> yeah, actually you can. Yes. Because um, we love to talk about, we love to talk about the good and the hard stuff about sex. But um, so that's been a big one. You know, now the, I'd say the biggest, we just had a confrontation the other night about, hey, Sean, you're kind of emotionally unavailable because your workload's heavy. We have two kids that are in sleep regression. So we're both up at all hours of the night. Um, I leave early. I come home late. I'm a night person with sex. She's an afternoon person with sex. And it's like... We just... Nothing lines is like Nothing up. lines up. Why aren't you pursuing me? And it was like, I got real defensive, but I had to say, hey, I, I really need to process this. I feel like there's more going on here and this isn't a great time of that conversation. Can we have a few days to just really think and write down some stuff about how we feel about sex, how we feel about the season? And because I want to blame you. I wanted to blame her. But I knew that wasn't the most mature response I should have because it takes two. Breathing mm-hmm. so, room before arguments is a great, great uh, pro tip that I think we could give. Let me ask you a question. So obviously, <laughs> go ahead, do it again. Uh, let me guess. Let me ask you a question. You know, obviously, you mentioned how things might have started off a little bit tough. You know, starting from the honeymoon. But let's talk about the differences between when you were dating to when you were married to when you have kids. What has Ooh, changed? This is a good one. <clears throat> mm. So dating. Oh, my gosh. Dating was amazing. Our dating life was so great. And I give Sean full credit for that because he, he, led, the, he led our progression so healthfully. Um, we were always in step with each other emotionally and physically. One never led the other. One never got ahead of the other. Um, And we just, it was so fun. We were just, there was no pressure. There was no expectation. There was no like weird, weirdness. Um, Yeah, so I've always gotten what I've wanted and I wanted Kirsten. And so (laughs) all of my energy and time went into thinking, how can I win this girl over? And so um, it was a beautiful, fun pursuit and process and from photoshopping myself into her Facebook pictures <laughs> to, to leaving giant stuffed animals on my doorstep. Just like whatever. I, I just had this opportunity to undo all of the heartache and hurt that no offense to anybody that's listening to this that dated Kirsten, just to, to heal some of the wounds. Um, and what that did was create some expectations going into marriage that that kind of energy and pursuit will happen. And I think a husband's listening to this will agree that there's a, 
it's just an energy change. Whereas in the pursuit, it's all about getting the girl, which gives you a lot of energy. And then when you get her, that that energy changes. Uh, it just comes from a different place to where if the pursuit was where all that life and energy came from, and then once you kind of have it, then you've got to kind of figure out what else is going to begin to drive that. Because now that it's there and it's regular and it's a part of your life, then it's not, it didn't, it doesn't come as natural as it did in the wooing and dating phase in marriage to show the same behavior. So for her, it was what happened to my husband? Where's this guy that was like all over this thing. And now that we're married and it just, yeah, there was such a shift of pursuit to, okay, I got it. I'm good. Yeah. To where it was like, I, I thought I was signing up for something totally different than, than when we were dating for the shift from when we were dating to when we got married, it just it changed so drastically. And how did you a, ad- how did you address that? Well, so I have become a much better communicator and much more aware of my emotions uh, in the seven years that we've been married. So when we first got married, I just shut down. I just would emotionally shut down. I would cry and not know why I, why I was upset. I would. So it took a long time to really identify. I had to do a lot of personal work. So I think that's where a lot of people go it gets tough for people is they don't they don't realize that they have to do work on themselves to be able to spur on the growth of their marriage. So that's what I had to do. I had to do a lot of work on myself. She's the hardest worker. I mean, my wife and her uh, bold dive, deep, deep dive into herself to really look at where this stuff was coming from. I mean, we did counseling. We did there like we read books. We did whatever we could. And she, it was on her. It wasn't like, I mean, there were elements that was I was pulling out of her, but it it was like her her turn to work on her stuff, and it was it just made me so much more attracted to her that she just went in head on and really dealt with her crap. So that was sort of phase one, as I dealt with a lot of my stuff, and then I was able to really be healthy enough to say, okay, these are my needs; these aren't being met. I need you to meet these. Because we couldn't even have a conversation about it. Right. She would physically and mentally shut down and go just like curl up on on bed on on bed on the bed (laughs) and not be able to explain what was going on and she would just start crying and would be silent and it was very isolating for me it was very hard because I'm an externalizer and she's an internalizer so we had to learn how to communicate did you guys do any marriage counseling we did so do you feel like you were prepared going into marriage or do you feel like once you got married (laughs) I think we were as prepared as we could be. I think the only thing that I would suggest to people who aren't married yet is talk about your sex expectations because that was such a big – if we had done that, it would have – We're unique in that though in that we chose not to do it. But it's still an issue. I think it's still an issue for people. Because sex before – I mean, yeah, even people that you know that that are sexually active with each other before they get married and then into marriage, it's just different. Like – the excitement and the allure, it just comes from a different yeah, place in the same way that the pursuit comes from. And mm-hmm. so I've heard it said that the devil, when you're dating, the devil does his best to get you in bed with each other. And, and then you get married and he does his best to keep you out of bed with each other. And so I'd say for us, if there was one thing, it was like sex is sex is kind of the, the gauge of the overall temperature of what your marriage is. And so typically when sex is good, it's it means that everything else is okay because it's a beautiful point of connection. And if it's struggling, then usually other areas of your marriage are probably struggling too. 
Um, so let me shift gears a little bit. What about your spouse wows you every day? Sex. Let's keep talking about <laughs> sex. <laughs> For me, I think Sean's Sean's uh, commitment and dedication to being available even when it's so hard for him to be available he will always make himself available to help with kids to help with with whatever it is that i need that day he is always willing to to do it to make it happen to make time for it to make sure that that i'm i'm okay yeah i think that those like as seasons of marriage changes probably those different qualities come out or new ones that you didn't know were there like um now that we're in the parent phase of marriage and life, I am so attracted and blown away by Kirsten's dedication as a mom um, to commit herself to raising the kids in a way that's not lazy. If I were a stay-at-home parent, it would be TV all day. Like I, I just, I'm not cut out to do that, but you know, I wake, we get up in the morning at 7:30, and she's reading books with the kids and you know, just as dead tired and, and gone through the ringer the night before and she's continuing to pour into the kids and be patient and loving and teach them numbers and all kinds of amazing things that I would be really lazy at. And um, I, that's to me, that's just a, a testament of who she is and her hardworking dedication to everything else from examining herself to her job to her kids to being an amazing wife. So You mentioned a couple books that you've read before what's that book that's helped you guys the most in your marriage um love life for every married couple uh really i mean we read it a long time ago i i don't have a lot of memory of what it said but it was a it was a shift for us and even like practices on um stimulating your imagination and like meditating on the qualities of your spouse that you love to arouse a desire, a romantic desire, a pursuit, or physical desire. It was like a lot of real practical stuff like that. Um, that kind Serving of, each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So love life for every married couple. That was a really good one. Well, you guys are finishing out the episode. Kind of leave our listeners with that last piece of advice about how to get through the trenches and how to work together. Uh, have fun, take some responsibility and quitting is not an option. Nice. I have to echo the have fun part. We are absolutely at our best when we're having fun and doing something fun. If you're mad at each other, go play mini golf. If you're in a fight, like go. We've never done that by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Just do something, something, go on a road trip. Do, do something that gets you out of your routine and. Do the things that brought you together in the first place. Yeah. And, and show up every day. Well, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your bo- both of your busy days. And uh, love you guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks man. Thank so you, Matthew. Okay, so that was Sean and Kirsten. What did you think? I love everything that was happening because you could, you could feel the chaos, but there was almost like a serenity within it because they're just managing it in whatever way they can and there were some really good i mean nuggets of wisdom that they shared it's expectations expectations <laughs> i want to title this episode sex the, the expectations i like it <laughs> um one of the things uh that i really appreciated that sean talked about 
was the essentially taking responsibility for showing up in your marriage. And I mean, you have to look at yourself and know that, you know, you're contributing to any dysfunction or you're, you're contributing and maybe you should be contributing more to what is working in your marriage. And I think that that introspective, you know, process is huge in a marriage because it doesn't, it's not you do 50, I do 50. It's each of us put forth 100% effort to make something, to make, to make your marriage work. You're so wise. No, stop. Did you have fun today? I did. Yes, thank you for are coming you, up. Are you going to have me back? Uh, maybe next year. Maybe. I did tell him he can fire me if I'm not good at this. No, of course not. <laughs> I can't fire my wife. Come on. All right. Well, next week's episode is going to be another great one. I have author of 100 Days to Brave, Annie Downs. Here's a clip. I mean, especially when you talk so much about failure, I think it's it's massively important for people to, to, to figure out for themselves, and you've said this before on other episodes, but to figure out for themselves what the definition of failure and the definition of success, right? Because if you don't define success and you don't define failure, you will not know when you get there and you'll make a lot of assumptions. And so for me, I have to define whether hitting the New York Times bestseller list is gonna be success or failure for me. If I don't hit a list, is that failing? Special thank you to the French Café band Les Azou for their beautiful music. Oui, oui. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir.